Hey there, it's another Monday. It's another wonderful little bonus edition of the Lifefulness Podcast. This is part six of our Introduction to Lifefulness mini-series. And uh, yeah, this one is about uh, changing the world. Uh, I'm Sanderson Jones. Uh, If this is your first time listening, if you've listened to it before, you know my name. Uh, And this entire podcast is about seeing what we can learn from religion and spiritual practices and how can we adapt them into a world where I think there's 1.3 billion uh, non-religious people in this world. And so, yeah, how can we learn from the past to go and answer our needs right now? And one of the things we need to do is change the world, which is uh, the subject of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, just final reminder that we have the Lifefulness community uh, go and find out ways to get involved in the show notes. We've got our small groups. We've got our Lifefulness course, Lifefulness 101. It would be amazing to have you uh, get involved. So uh, here it is, the final part of this little series. Hello and welcome to uh, episode six of the Lifefulness mini-series. I am, as ever, your host, Sans Jones. I'm your co-host, James Croft. And in the Lifefulness mini-series, we are looking at each one of the pillars of Lifefulness, which means we've had ultimate meaning, we've had celebration, we've had community life, we've had personal growth, we've had serving others, and we're getting to the last one, which is changing the world and yeah in spiritual traditions you know across the world there is this idea of you know being part of these communities will create the world as it should be and not the world as it is right now which has got some room for improvement yeah absolutely a lot of room for improvement right now Uh, and yeah, and I guess for me, this that was one of the reasons why when starting on Sunday Assembly, so uh, before Sunday Assembly, I was a stand-up comedian and uh, I love doing that. That's a lot of fun. But it was when I sort of, you know, found myself using those talents, but as part of an organisation which had this uh, idea of changing the world that, you know, that was, uh, for me, super exciting to be like, oh, actually, I can use these skills, which I love to use, but uh, as part of something which can make a real difference. That was one of the main reasons that drew me to this line of work as well. The feeling that the world isn't as we hope it should be. And we could do something about that, but we need to come together in community to try and make the world better because it's so hard to change the world alone. Yeah, and I particularly liked it when we were speaking about this before, because you have got a great story about this, which I'm going to make sure that you say, is that you like saw this firsthand when you started working in St. Louis, because you uh, got involved with uh, the Black Lives Matter campaigning against it as a Blue Lives Matter uh, organiser is that is that right i was nodding my head along with that until i realized <laughs> what you're saying no the opposite sanders oh sorry my bad and that we so i moved to st louis in june of 2014 mike brown was killed in august 2014 very close to where our congregation is and many clergy in the area many leaders of religious communities were part of the movement which grew up 
of protesting and lobbying local government and all sorts of other things that we did. And I saw firsthand how important it is to have congregational communities, lifeful communities, if you want to put it like that, where people can come together to join their individual power into something that's bigger than the sum of its parts. Because some of the things we were able to do, we would never have been able to do as disconnected individuals. We closed down highways. We disrupted baseball games and performances of music and things like that. We found lots of different ways to use our collective power to change our community in ways that we wouldn't have been able to do if we didn't have those community organizations. And that's one of the main reasons I think we need life for communities everywhere. Yeah, to my mind, I do. I mean, I th like it would be super exciting if there were organizations which were able to like go and take these sort of progressive ideas which so many people share and actually sort of come together around them because everyone you know bitches about the evangelical right and it's like well like where are our congregations why aren't we building our communities uh, so that we can uh, inflict our shitty opinions on other people well that's right sanderson like it, there's a reason why certain ideas have power in politics and in culture and it's because the people who believe those ideas come together in groups and organize and that's what changing the world is all about we we can do that as a community and and I, i'm really so when you go and look back at so many of the uh, moments of huge change which have happened look it change doesn't only happen through communities i'm not gonna through congregations there are different forms but like for instance the civil rights uh, protests that you know it's so much more powerful because you've got these organized groups of people you know it, it's no surprise that Martin Luther King was a pastor like so many of these people were there's this uh, awesome quote from Harold Wilson the Labour Prime Minister uh, in the UK and uh, who said that the Labour Party owed as much to Methodism as to uh, Marx because like the Labour Party grew out of the Methodist chapels in South Wales. I think that's a really important insight. And one of the sad things about our rapidly secularising world has been that very few institutions have grown up to replace the community building function and that sort of local power building function of congregations. So if you're not religious and you don't want to go to your local Methodist church, where do you get in contact with other workers so you can mobilize together? There are very few union organizations anymore that have the same role in local communities. Many people don't go to church, they're not religious. And so we're kind of losing this social capital building space that we need to rebuild if we want to change the world. And so, uh, again, whilst life from this, you can go and look at these pillars and sort of go, well, I'm just going to go and get this part, my change in the world over here, and I'm going to go and get my personal growth here. And that is really great. That is certainly one way of doing it. There's this idea nowadays that we are unbundling the different sort of uh, features, even to use the word features of religion as though you're doing an unboxing video. Yes. Oh, what's this? Christianity. Uh, and yeah, that you can go and get those different needs met in other places. But like a lot of the power comes from coming together to go, this is a place you get your community. This is where you get your 
uh, this idea of personal growth. This is where you've, you're serving others. Because by doing that in one place, then suddenly there's a new sort of a new part of the fabric of civil life. I think that is key. I've read a lot about this new unbundling phenomenon as well. This idea of kind of pulling out the pieces of... James, I just have a feeling that you're about to sound like an old man screaming at the sky. Get off my lawn. Stop this unbundling. <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I, I appreciate people want to take the pieces of religious tradition and practice they like and use just those bits, right? So I get the idea of unbundling. But at the same time... There's a reason why these are all connected together in a congregation. And part of the reason becomes really clear when you think about changing the world. It's because those communities exist for a purpose that goes beyond them. It's I keep telling my members at the Ethical Society of St. Louis, this is a warm and welcoming community where you can make friends and go through life with other people who share your values. Great. That's part of what we offer. That's not actually the reason why we exist mm. the reason we exist is to get you together to change the world outside the community and so you have to have the connection to our deepest values along with the community setting along with the commitment to service and those all other pieces they go together we should start something sanderson we should call it rebundling rebundling <laughs> don't do it over there do it here don't do that over there right. uh, the uh I can never remember which bishop said it, and I think it's occasionally attributed to different people. He said, uh, the church exists for the benefit of its non-members, which I loved. That's uh, great. Uh, and yeah, and there is this idea that you are coming together uh, as a community and that uh, you are being part of a change, which is probably going to happen uh, outside the course of your lifetime. It's not all, you're not going to see the final thing. And and so it's maybe good to go back to some of the sort of spiritual roots of this idea. And in the lifefulness framework, it's a translation of this idea called uh, evangelism. And it was one which I had a bit of a sort of tricky time sort of translating because evangelism is actually really associated with a lot of the parts which are the bits which people find annoying about religion the knocking on the door the this idea that you know the 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 best help that you can give someone is really changing their mind that you can agree so they can agree with you but it is this idea of actually like that that is the way that you're gonna go and be of service and make the world as it should be and so it's probably a bit in this version it's probably a bit more uh, closely connected to this idea of sort of building the kingdom of heaven on earth which is sort of similar to the islamic idea of the ummah uh, and i've actually had someone who a uh, progressive uh, christian came into the offices of sunday assembly and he was just so delighted by what we were doing and he was like oh no you're oh no you're you're doing it your way you're building the kingdom of heaven on earth and i was like oh that's a lovely image yeah. right and i think that that sense you're talking about the Islamic concept of the Ummah. There's a sense in many religions that the congregational community should be a model for the rest of the world, that it should demonstrate in how the members relate to each other and how they live their lives, how the rest of the world should be. We spoke about this in St. Louis just this past week, actually talking about the Jewish concept that of being model communicate. Uh, model communities for the rest of the world and it's something that it on the one hand i find it a bit 
nervous making because I'm like, oh, is that that's a bit intense, right? We say that our community should be the model for all communities, but I think in terms of our conduct towards each other and how we live our lives can be an example for other people and one way to change the world is to be an example of a better way of living and i suppose that that's one thing that religion has always said that it will provide yeah as ever that will said it will provide yes you know, I, we are, I had to put that in there uh because for people who are coming to this for the first time this isn't about like just wholesale importing of every single aspect of religion but rather sort of looking at the uh, parts which can be most useful to be used and and I guess in going and looking at then sort of at some scientific and uh, sort of more uh, modern uh, ideas that this aligns with and I guess one of the big ones is this idea of systems change we go and speak to Mark Stevenson about that and that is I think that's like what this connects with this idea of like going okay if we want to go and change the world Actually, how do we do that? You know, it's not just uh, like you know. I went and uh, I went and wrote a letter. I bought a. I bought. I bought the pin. You know, that's not the end of it. It's actually really thinking. If you want to go and make a difference in life, like trying to work out, like where are the lever points? Where are the feedback points? How can you go and think about? Uh, sort of maximizing your uh, impact because the weird thing about being a very small person and the world is so big is actually individuals are the are the units of change so you're both very small but you are how change happens yeah i think that's right and i think i like how you're connecting science in here and the idea of systems change because i think that one of the challenges that traditional religious communities often face when they go to change the world is that they often at least in my experience use techniques that they have used for a long time simply because they've become part of the collective tradition of the community and they don't always work right and it can be a little bit more difficult within some communities to change things if they don't work but we know a lot now about how to make change in systems how to make change in individuals how to make change in society and so if we can be flexible we can just use the tools that work the best to achieve our ends we don't have to look to tradition for that necessarily yeah and i get yeah i I think having this flexible approach and also in your own life, I guess that's the thing of like building it. If you aren't part of a community yet, if there isn't one near you of like really getting this idea of like, what's the right thing for me to do? How can I make the biggest difference? And I guess it also connects to this. I mean, this isn't a modern concept, but it's certainly super relevant today. This idea of social justice of like, actually what is, uh, we're taking that idea of like this is a community for for the benefit of other people and i think and i guess that's actually one of the dangers for a lot of congregations to look out for uh we've already invoked the name of martin luther king he also did say that uh, 11 o'clock on the sunday was the most segregated time in america the community has to be formed a certain way so that we do have this outward facing uh sort of approach and posture uh but yeah that's as i go and think about the issues that are there nowadays that we have nowadays uh but like the issues of uh black lives matter climate change inequality the 
end of unions, the sort of rise of these really large companies, the feeling that the you like change is happening over there, but the community is an opportunity for you as an individual to be part of something which can reach up to that level and sort of really elevate the voices of people who, uh, you know, can't contribute millions of dollars to super PACs. Right. Elevate individual voices, connect people to other people so that their impact can be greater than it could be alone. And also, I think, particularly important given the huge range of issues that we're facing, justice issues like climate justice, racial justice, all these sorts of issues that are really energizing so many people right now. I think it's important to have a place that connects them together, morally speaking, that actually has a philosophical concept that that shows how they're related to each other. Because these different struggles, they're all driven by a commitment to our flourishing right we want everyone to be able to have a life full life and not everyone is able to have that because of racism or because of mm. climate change is destroying their community or something like that and so having a place where those values can be connected to each other and connected to our deepest concerns as human beings i think is really important it also sort of gets to one of the trickier points that happen in communities and communities of communities is that uh like what happens if people have difference of opinion like you you get to this thing like one of the most powerful things which could like one of the reasons why we are so polarized is that you know i'm going to go trump support of black lives matter just that, that idea is that there will be you know their worlds are so different that they never meet and yet how can you create spaces where people who do have different uh, opinions are able to meet and how can we go and have language which speaks across difference how can also people who want to have change you know often you can be in your own echo chamber you know like that it is an incredibly difficult thing we face that at the ethical society so frequently we you joked earlier about me kind of being on the side of Blue Lives Matter, etc. But when we, I first got involved in the Black Lives Matter movement in St. Louis, some of our members were organizing Blue Lives Matter rallies, and they were some of the primary organizers. And that provoked a really difficult internal conversation about how, what are the boundaries of your community? And how can you include people and provide a space for dialogue and still hold firm to a certain set of core values? That is not an easy question to solve. And it's it's good that you raise it because it's a challenge. And and then this goes into this, you know, one of the things we wanted to do in these uh, uh, introductions was to see how it not only it could go and connect us of a personal life, how it could look like in a community, introduce the topic, but also this idea of how could lifefulness be used to go and look at an organization, a business, a school. And yeah, today, like when people join companies, they expect them to take positions. But like this exact thing that we're talking about shows how it can be really tricky. Uh, poor old Goodyear uh, at time of going to press. Uh, Donald Trump saying that people should avoid buying Goodyear tyres. Uh, a company with plants in pretty much every swing state uh, because MAGA hats are seen or Blue Lives Matter 
uh, wear and merchandise is seen as racist, whereas sort of BLM is sort of, uh, you know, seen as a social justice movement. And obviously that is uh, contentious. Yeah, it's a really difficult thing for businesses in particular to deal with. I think the concern for justice and changing the world is a difficult area to navigate, both for consumers and for businesses, right? Because I don't particularly want to be marketed to by a business that is taking on a social justice, change the world perspective just to sell more shoes or more toasters or whatever it is. If it's insincere, I'm not so excited about that. I think that's a bit dodgy. And at the same time, within companies, you know, you have many employees often who might have different views on different things. How can you create a company ethos with a strong position and maintain space for your employees to have their own ideas it's kind of similar to the challenge we were talking about within my congregation right it's not that different and it's a i think that's going to be a very difficult thing for businesses to navigate and i and oddly i think that the tools of the congregation are also provide some of the answers some of the experiences that you can create uh, some of the types of feeling, and this goes to show how these are all interlinked, some of the types of feeling, some of the sort of personal relationships that you can create are also the solutions to these differences. You know, that you can, uh, and because lifefulness is, as you know, there are lessons in all sorts of uh, different uh, places, not only religious communities, but like people who support the same football team. Right. You're jumping around on the terraces and you don't care really what sort of parties people vote for because you're having this experience and you realize that you're all part of Liverpool or whatever it might be. And so those tools of creating that feeling where these different identities can drop away, I think, is part of the answer. I think also, again, those how it relates to community of like. You know, we all have people in our lives that we love, family members who do have different viewpoints to us. Like we find ways to love them, mostly. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's so difficult. Like when you have a different idea of what justice and changing the world should look like to someone that you care about deeply, that can be really difficult to deal with. And you kind of trying to hold two things at the same time, your love for them and your concern for them as individuals and your knowledge that the world is really unfair or unjust to particular people and your feeling that's not being recognised by that person. And finding a way through that is something that's very, very challenging. Yeah. So this is uh, just I've actually just remembered one thing which uh, T.D. Jakes, the uh, Bishop, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, uh, and he is an amazing preacher. I've, every now and again, I go and listen to him. He's just, he gets on a roll and it's outstanding. His, he said, uh, uh, I'm not going to do his voice because it's very deep and amazing and uh, maybe problematic if I do do it. Uh, and he, uh, but he put it and he went, uh, I've never seen uh, I've never seen a bird fly if it's only got a left wing or a right wing. <laughs> That's a, I mean we could dig so much into this because I think that 
on different days I come down on different sides of how to to deal with this challenge but I recognize that it is a real challenge and what one of the reasons why lifeful communities workplaces whatever should be concerned with changing the world is that we want a better world for everybody that's at least what mm. we should all want we yeah. should all want a better world for everybody and we need to we might have legitimate disagreements about how to get there but we shouldn't disagree that that's a goal that we're going for and we can help people get there by using the tools that lifefulness provides that bringing people together in community to build power to kind of connect them to their deepest values to show what they might be able to do in the wider community yeah and it's quite interesting even within this now i'm you know that feeling of like you know, you're going to create more of a sense of togetherness by having people with wildly divergent opinions in a room together on a Sunday or Saturday or whatever it is, all singing a song, all with really close relationships to each other. And but then it's interesting, like, oh, but what if that person's view makes this person feel unsafe or what happens if they're and you're like, and it, yeah, it's uh, it's such an important thing, which congregational communities have got so many lessons for whether you're running a community a company or just living your life but it is also uh it's also something which uh is can take a lifetime to explore so uh james is that uh are we wrapped up on changing the world there as an introduction I think we said everything that can possibly be said about changing the world <laughs> Uh, so that is the end of the Lifefulness mini-series. We really hope that you enjoyed it. We're going to be exploring those six uh, aspects of Lifefulness throughout, well, throughout the Lifefulness podcast, the, uh, the Lifefulness project, the book that we're writing. And because you meant to get to the end of something, we told you what we were going to be talking about. We told you it, and we're now going to tell you what we spoke about. So that is the end of the six uh, pillars of lifefulness, ultimate meaning, celebration, community life, personal growth. It's 10 o'clock in the evening. I've got to get them right. <laughs> you can do it. So Serving others and changing the world. So thanks so you much for it. joining on this. And uh uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Have a super day. Hey, that was the last of uh, this little mini series. And yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Really hope you found it uh, enlightening. Maybe you achieved enlightenment from it. Oh, that's a great testimonial. Achieved enlightenment after listening to the six part mini series. Uh, and yeah, so uh, as ever, if you want to get involved in the community, because, you know, we, we do the podcast because we hope this is useful in your life in any way. But, uh, yeah, we also, you know, want to go and create those authentic connections. We're sort of building the Lifefulness project originally online, initially online. That's the right thing to say. Uh, but then we want to, like, go from online to sort of gathering our small groups uh, in person and then when there's enough small groups in an area to sort of like start building those communities so yeah thanks for listening if you've got ideas for other things you'd like a mini series on then uh, get in touch uh, James would love to hear from you too and I want to thank him first for being such a great collab orator uh, and 
Then also thanks to Mavs, who's editing this. Mavs, you're great. You can hear me talking now. Uh, thanks to uh, Will Andrews for the artwork, and thanks to the excellent Miro Shot and Roman Rapak for the music that you're listening to right now. 